I want to watch this. Uh, rather than me talk about it, I want you to watch this. It just gives us a really good overview of Second Peter and the history and all that. And then after that, we'll dive into this. So do you have that, guys? Did I put it in there? Perfect. All right, let's watch this. The second letter of Peter. It's addressed to the same network of churches as Peter's first letter, and it's likely written from the same location in Rome. Peter's become aware of the fact that he's going to die soon, and the evidence that we have from early tradition was that Peter was executed by the Roman authorities during the reign of Emperor Nero. And so this letter acts as Peter's farewell speech. He begins by offering a final challenge that Jesus' followers must be people who never stop growing. And then this is followed by two final warnings about a growing number of corrupt teachers who are leading Christians in these church communities astray, first by their corrupt way of life and second by their distorted theology. Throughout the letter, Peter is countering accusations made by these teachers against himself and the other apostles. And Peter's goal is to restore confidence and order to these church communities. So Peter opens by reminding these churches that through Jesus, God has invited people to become a participant in his own divine nature, that is, to share in God's own eternal life and love, which is mind-blowing. And it requires a lifelong response. To receive this gift means a commitment to developing the same character traits that mark God's own divine nature. Peter lists here seven traits to strive for, and the final one encompasses and crowns all of the others, it's love, which according to Jesus means devoting oneself to the well-being of others, no matter their response or the cost. To love, according to Peter, is to share in God's own life. Peter then states the letter's purpose. It's going to act of God's people keep coming and passing away without seeing the fulfillment of their hopes. Where is this promised return of Jesus? Peter responds by showing how short-sighted this objection is. Look around, he says, at this remarkable universe that we inhabit. The fact that we exist at all means that at some moment in the past, God's word intervened in a dramatic way to bring something out of nothing and to bring order out of chaos, and he can do so again. And so the real question is, why is God taking so long? But Peter reminds us that our human conception of time is extremely limited. The long expanses of time through which God works don't fit neatly into the framework of our very short lives. These long amounts of time are actually a sign of God's patience, because each generation is offered the chance to recognize its own selfishness, to humble itself, and repent before God's generous grace. And God's grace will bring the story to a close on the day of the Lord. Here Peter draws upon the prophetic poetry of Isaiah and Zephaniah, who describe the day of God's justice as a consuming fire. Peter says, the heavens will pass away and the stoicheia will melt by fire. This is a Greek word that could refer to the elements, in which case it means the dissolution of the material universe, or more likely, it refers to heavenly bodies, in other words, the stars. That's what this word means in Isaiah chapter 34, where Peter is quoting from. And in that case, this line is a metaphor about the sky being peeled back, so to speak, before the God who sees all. 
And so this is why Peter says the day of the Lord will result in the earth and all its works being exposed. The ultimate purpose of God's consuming justice is not to scrap the material universe. Rather, it's to expose evil and injustice and remove it so that a new kind of heavens and earth can emerge, one that is permeated with righteousness, full of God's love and people who know and love God and love their neighbor as themselves. Peter concludes by saying this is the true Christian hope that Jesus and all the apostles have been announcing, including Paul, whose writings can be misunderstood if you rip them out of context, but all the apostles are on the same page. And so Peter ends his final address to the church. Now, the tone of 2 Peter, it feels really intense, but his passion comes from a firm conviction that God loves this world, and he's determined to rescue it through Jesus. And so this means that God's love must confront and deal with the sin and injustice that ruins his beloved world. And in God's own time, he will do so, opening up a new future for humanity and for the universe itself. And so Second Peter has a wide, expansive vision of hope for the whole world, and it challenges us to examine our everyday lives. That's what the second letter of Peter is all about. Isn't that cool? There's no way I could have given you the history in eight minutes with doodles. So, But I hope you caught what that was about. Um, I love Peter. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible one of my favorite disciples, and he's a man of conviction. And this is his final letter that he writes. This is his big hoorah. And, and so the truth that's in this is just powerful, and it's really good. So this morning, turn in your Bibles, if you have them, uh, to Second Peter. We're going to spend this morning in verses 1 through 10. I don't know if you remember, but we're really going to dive in on those virtues, those I think there's eight virtues that he talks about. And the point of this morning is not just to go through a list of virtues, but it's this idea that God has delivered us from something amazing, but not just so that we can live a minimalistic Christian life that says, hey, I'm a a believer, that's good enough. But it should push us in life to become more and more and more like Christ. And so how do we grow our faith? That's what we're talking about this morning. So why don't we pray, and then we'll dive into this. Lord, thank you. You are an amazing God. And once again, we come to you just humbled. We come to you and just ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand your scripture. We know that understanding is a gift that you give us. So help us to to hear your word and to live your truth this morning. We praise in your name. Amen. Let me read this to you. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace to you, or grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us to be His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in God 
or participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. He has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That sounds pretty good to me. But... In case you didn't catch it, let's spend a half an hour diving into it, all right? So I want you to, to pick up first. One thing that's very interesting in this is we, we've talked about this before, but when, whenever we read these letters and they have this grace and peace greeting, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus what he's doing there is he's referring not just to the Jewish people who to this point would have thought the promises were theirs, right? The, the calling is theirs, the election is theirs, and it's a special thing for them, which it was in the Old Testament. But through Jesus, it's been opened. So Peter here is saying like, hey, there is a precious promise that is, that is open because of Jesus and those that participate in faith through him. So he's speaking to a wide crowd and, and specifically a wide crowd in the Roman church, the Roman culture. So when we read this, uh, I just, I wanted to make it really simple. So this morning I want to talk about what is Paul calling us to? How is he calling us to it and why? Okay, so what, how, why? Marie, that's pretty, that's pretty good English, isn't it? Okay, good. All right. So far. Okay, good. <laughs> so far. Yes. Okay. Haven't failed yet. Um, so what is Paul calling us to? Let's look at uh, verse 3 through 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in his divine nature and escape the corruptions of this world caused by evil desires. I don't think this morning that I need to spend a lot of time convincing us that we would love to have everything we need for life to experience his divine goodness and we would love to escape the corruption of this world. Does anybody need convinced that you want that? Okay, good. So that's where we're going this morning. In order to experience the fullness of who God is, the fullness of living in his divine nature, there's something that he's called us to. And in order to escape the corruption that is in this world, and I don't know about you, but I get very tired of living in and sometimes living out the corruption that's in this world. Amen? I get very tired of, and I'm not talking like corruption is anybody that's different than me. No, corruption is like this evil that exists, and we have to recognize that it's here. I was actually, when Pastor Brian sent me his... Uh, his logo or whatever for this series, which I forgot to put in there. I just realized. 
But it's this cool vision of a lion. And it's this, this lion that talks about being transformed. And I was like, cool. So I looked up Peter, First, uh, Second Peter, lion. And the only reference I got was uh, the devil prowls around like a lion seeking to... And I was like, Brian, I don't know if you realize this, but that's, that's the devil in this. Like, are you sure you want that? And, and he said, yeah, because... Scripture talks about Jesus as being the lion. We sang about that this morning. He is the lion. But the devil pours around like a lion, meaning he masquerades himself. He takes these good things that Jesus has given us and he distorts them. He perverts them towards evil. He corrupts them. And when we look at Peter's letter, we're going to find that it's this big warning towards don't let the good things that God has given us be corrupted, be destroyed, be turned towards evil. And that sounds like, oh yeah, obviously we won't do that. But I just can see in my life where, man, it is so easy to fall into that. It is so easy to get weighed down by corruption whether it's just dealing with it or whether it's that temptation to live in it. So when he says, I, I want you to live in the fullness of Jesus, I want you to experience the fullness, the life that is so rich, so good, so fulfilling and hopeful. And I want you to be able to escape the corruption, which in, in scripture, there's two ways they talk about that. They talk about that as when we die, We'll go to heaven and we'll escape. But here it's specifically saying like, as we're living, let's not be burdened. Let's not be weighed down, but let's live in the freedom that Christ gives. So can I hear a hearty amen if that's something you would love to experience more in your life? Amen. Oh, that was awesome. Do it again. Amen. Yes. Cool. I feel like I'm at home now. That was good, Kathy, wasn't it? I love it. Okay. <laughs> So how do we do this? Um, I'm going to spend a, a good portion of this, this morning in this part. If you, if you look at 2 Peter, there's this clear list that he gives right here. And, and Peter purposely preloads this book with some good stuff because it gets deep and intense later, and he wants to lead with the good, right? He wants to, as we walk through this, this is what we're hanging on to. So he gives this list. Let me, let me read it for you real quick. And for this reason, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. Every effort. That was a partial effort on saying every effort. <laughs> say every effort. every effort. That doesn't mean we sort of try when it's convenient. That doesn't mean that we come to church and do the minimal things. He's saying make every effort. Everything you can do, make this your mission in life. No matter if you're hanging out with friends or going to school or going to work or if you're playing golf or if you're floating on the ocean, well, the lake, river. We don't even have lakes. I was way off on that one. If we're floating down the river, make every effort in all that you do to live this out. And he says... Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about this. Uh, as I was thinking about these things, um, I googled like an image to say, hey, what is, what is this talking about? And up popped this uh, picture of a hamburger. And I don't know why. <laughs> Crazy, you put that up. So this, this beautiful hamburger popped up. It looks really pixelated there, but boy, I mean, you've got bun and lettuce. And have, have you guys ever seen that these pictures, when you order them, they never look quite as good? But I, I, I clicked on it because I was curious. And, and here's where it took me. It said, you know, what we're doing in this passage is, is not just taking this separate list of things and saying, go do these things, you know, be good, you know, be virtuous, have self-control, have, it's very, very specifically saying, add to your faith these things. And so I could come up here and, and have like a hamburger patty, which I, I was going to, but I didn't because I forgot. <laughs> I should have stolen from Jason last night. Uh, a hamburger patty, right? And, and they're, they're good. It's meat and it's, it's edible and it's fun. But when you think of a hamburger, do you just think of that patty? Like just that plain brown patty. Like that's, that's not what gets my mouth watering over a hamburger. But in the same token, I also don't think ketchup and go, oh yeah, I just, I'm craving some ketchup right now. Just, just a bowl full of good old, and then mustard after that. And then I'll eat a few pickles and no, that's not how we do hamburgers in America, right? We add to it. We take this amazingly good, fresh from big timber beef, and we add to it. And it's very important that as we talk about this list, we realize two things. Number one, that the hamburger patty is not enough. The hamburger patty, let's say that's our faith. What he's saying in this is that's not the end goal. That's like the minimum, if we could. One of the commentaries even said it's not enough to just be a Christian. I was like, whoa, that's a pretty big statement. He said, we, we often as Christians live as if once we get to the cross, we go, I've arrived. This is it. Now I can just take vacation and float through life and someday I will get into heaven. That's not experiencing the fullness that God brings. Faith is our starting point. And then God has so much more for us after that. So number one, we add to faith. We don't just get like, yeah, I got God and I'm good. He said, live that out. Grow, grow, grow. Don't become stagnant. And then B, these virtues that he gives are not to be taken separate from faith. Faith is the foundation that we need to build on. And so we're going to talk about those. Does that make sense? Does that... Anybody want to look at this for another minute or so? Okay, you can take that down, Grayson. So let's talk about what these are. First of all, he says faith. If you look in Ephesians, we have this beautiful description of what faith is. And in Ephesians verse 2, chapter 8 through 10, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, 
And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that you can boast. But we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance. There's this really interesting and really beautiful picture that faith is not something that we achieve. This word actually for faith in this passage specifically talks about a gift. God gives us faith. He gifts it to us. So if we don't have faith, you can't do more to get it. We just have to ask, God, give me that faith just to believe and hold tightly. And because it's a gift, we should be so thankful, so appreciative, so humbled and filled that we go, man, I just, it's not one of those gifts. Has anybody ever experienced on Christmas where I used to get tons of little things? So none of them meant anything, right? (laughs) Like this is a big gift. That one where if it's the only thing you got on Christmas, that's, that's beautiful. That's awesome. So let's hold on to that and let's start from that. Now, to your faith that is God-given, we add goodness. Now, goodness here, the virtue. Grace, if you want to throw up those verses just to give us a good reference. Goodness means virtue. And the goodness here that it's talking about is an active pursuit of good. It's not just not doing bad. He's saying you have faith. Now with your faith, actively pursue doing good. If you look in Philippians uh, verse, or chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So once we have faith, now we actively go after the good. Everybody say actively. (laughs) Think about your life, right? Think about the way we live. Sometimes we're just trying really hard not to do bad. Like, right? Hey, I just, I, I didn't lie. I didn't outwardly say bad things about people. You know, I can sort of control, like, we turn faith into this like, oh, like, let's just not do bad. But he's saying the first thing we add to it is this active pursuit of doing good. Now, to make my point about these by themselves are not our goal, uh, just a quick little thing. In, uh, in the culture that, that Peter is writing to, uh, Greek philosophy is a huge thing, specifically Stoicism. And in Stoicism, they had virtues. They had four core virtues, wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. When he said that word virtue, many of these people, those are the things that would come to their mind. Yeah. And what he's saying is, yeah, pursue those things. Do good on the foundation of faith. What he's essentially telling them is, I'm I'm not saying that that everything in this world is terrible. But apart from faith, it's dangerous, right? So apply that to us today. We can do good. I could live a life that, you know, seeks justice, courage, wisdom, moderation. I can seek that. But apart from faith, it's kind of meaningless. 
So when he's saying that to this culture and this morning, I just want to hit that home. Like faith is the foundation that we're living on. Otherwise, it's just blind humanitarianism, right? We can do good just blindly. Faith, 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 faith. So I need to start hurrying. Okay, so to your knowledge or to your goodness, add knowledge. And we know that knowledge by itself puffs up. You can leave those up, Grayson. Just leave it there. It'll be great. Okay, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So when he's saying this, he's like, to your faith, add goodness. And then as you're pursuing good, continue to learn and grow in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not seeking trivia. We're not seeking information to win a debate. We're seeking information on how to become more and more like Christ. Sounds good? And to that knowledge, let's add self-control. Now we're actively pursuing good and we're learning more about Jesus in order to look like him and appreciate him and understand him better. And then to that, let's add self-control. The ability to resist and be disciplined towards this, to not become distracted by everything in the world. Maybe it's just me. I'm very easily distracted. I'm very easily turned to the side and I have to remind myself, especially in this last season, I don't know if this is just me, but in this last season of life, I don't know if I was very self-controlled, right? I had a season where, man, my prayer life and my, my devotional life and my excitement were just weighed down by just everything in the world. I don't know if you've experienced that, but that's where I was at. And so as I was studying this, man, that one hit me. I was like, oh God, let me, let me have that in order to increase my faith. Let me grow in that. And there's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about being disciplined. Now, outside of faith, self-control is very easily just self-help, right? It's very easily just do these things and you'll be better. We need to realize that our help comes from where? The Lord, right? So we lean on him saying, God, just help me, help me, help me. So then to our active pursuit of good and our knowledge of Jesus and our self-control, let's add perseverance. In Romans chapter five, do you, you may have their Bible with them. Feel free. I love the pages turning. It's really fun. I'll turn mine real loud so that we can all. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 4, it says this. So not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us. And then in chapter 8, verse 25, it says this. Actually, I'm going to start in 24. It says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we will wait for it patiently. Following Jesus does not mean that everything bad stops. It does not mean that the road just magically straightens out and we just coast. It doesn't mean golf and fly fishing for the rest of our life. When my grandpa retired, that's what his life became. We still experience these. What hope gives us or what endurance gives us is that far-sighted view that we are working towards something. 
that as we go through COVID-19, this isn't the end of the world. No matter who is elected president, it's not the end of the world. And it's also not the beginning of the world. It's just, life is just happening. But we get to look forward and go, man, God, give me the endurance to look down the road to what's coming so that I can endure right now. I've been on a little bit of a, my wife has really been into working out. And so that kind of made me like, all right, go for it. And, I, and so the way it works for me is I work out five days a week. And then on Friday, I get two of them, which is awesome. Nope, it's really hard. Um, but when I get to that Friday, do you know what gets me through those two workouts? It's not that I uh, am going to be in shape. It's that I don't have to work out on Saturday and Sunday, right? But then on Monday, what gets me started again is this endurance that, man, I just want to make. And, and I don't always have that. But as I was thinking about that and this, I'm like, man, God, help me not forget where we're going. Now to our godliness or to our endurance, let's add godliness, which is this alert awareness of God's work and presence and sovereignty. Godliness outside of faith is just spirituality. I've met people that are just very spiritual, but we need to make sure this is attached to our faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he's done. In Psalm chapter one, it says, blessed is him, right? Who positions himself, who does not walk in the counsel of wicked. I always say these wrong or sit in the seat of mockers, right? But whose, whose faith is in the Lord. Let me read that so I don't take it out of context here. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this, he meditates day and night. Godliness is this active pursuit and awareness that God is always working. In the down times, in the up times, God is always working. So if you add to this list and you see it growing, right? This is our faith growing. This is our hamburger getting more ingredients and more ingredients. We're probably on bacon at this point, right? Like (laughs) godliness. So it's just this active pursuit, this knowledge of God, this saying, God, just help me to be disciplined in this endurance to look ahead And our faith is moving, it's growing, it's becoming more and more. And very interestingly, at this point, we come to this brotherly kindness, which I honest and truthfully think is one of the, this is my personal opinion, right? This is is what I think. I think brotherly kindness is one of our least appreciated areas of worship. This brotherly kindness is, is this idea that we're not meant and not created and cannot do this Christian walk alone. We need to have a priority that values fellowship, a faith that values fellowship, a faith that, that says, I need to be concerned for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need to value time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm not just talking like, oh, I came to church. I mean, deep-seated, brotherly, sisterly fellowship that challenges us, that motivates us, that encourages us. When we say iron sharpening iron, I mean, you can't just 
I, I have these knives that I use to, you know, we all have them. If, if I don't sharpen them on a regular basis, they get really dull. But if it's just this constant sharpening. And so this brotherly kindness, this virtue of brotherly kindness or mutual affection is something that, man, if we need to make sure our life is full of fellowship, it's not just kind of a, I should do. I think that's, that's where a big part of our worship. Not only is it a gift to other people, but it's a gift to us. Amen? Amen. So let's not, as the Bible says, let's not let that go. Don't forsake that. I mean, if there's a big warning, there it is right there. And then finally, he says, the crown of this hamburger of growing faith is love. Now, we often just say like, oh yeah, have, have faith and then go love people. I honestly don't know if we're capable of loving the way God wants. All, like it, this selfless love that is so centered on God that God just is in all of it and it's selfless and it's good and it's not self-seeking. I don't know that I can just go do that. But it says this, in increasing measure, continue to add these things, continue to grow, continue to become more and more engaged with what God has. So that's the what. Sound good? Really quick, let me give you the why. To keep us from being unproductive and inefficient. It says, grow these things. Let your faith grow. Don't just have faith. Don't just say, okay, I'm a Christian. Now I can coast. Grow your faith, seek God, go after him so that you don't become unproductive and inefficient. Now we need to be just real quick, need to be very careful with those words. We're not defining unproductive and inefficient in the way that America would love to define those. This is not a seeking of trophies and achievements that you make under the name of being a Christian. He's talking about becoming more like Christ. What does productivity in faith look like? Becoming more like Christ. What does fruit, effective fruit in faith look like? Just submitting to him and humbling ourselves and he becomes more and I become less. And his glory just shines through every aspect of my life. When we look at those words, I don't think we get, I, I personally, I, I just don't think we're going to get to heaven and it's going to be a checklist of everything you did. I think he's just going to go, man, I know you because you, you're looking like me, right? I know you. And it's going to be the depth of relationship. Now through that relationship, fruit will come. I'm not saying that we just get to sit in our little bubble, God has a mission for us, but that mission is with his reflection, not ours. So that's why. And then here's where I want to land today. This becomes, man, I, I want this to connect. This should make our hearts do something right here. It's so that we don't become blind and nearsighted. And this blindness is a, it's not talking about, why would he say blind and nearsighted? Like if you're blind, aren't you also nearsighted? And I was like, yeah, that's true. This is a, this is like closing your eyes. This is a willful blindness where you're just like, yep, nope, I'm not. So that why? So that we do not forget. So that we do not forget forget. 
that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So we don't forget that. That is on all the time, and it's off right now. It's unplugged. But I was like, ha ha. You think? <laughs> but so that we don't forget what Jesus has done. We don't do these things to like make ourselves like, oh, look at me. We do that so that we don't forget the gift that God has given us should move us, should move our hearts. And sometimes I think we're living in a life that we have forgotten how much Jesus has done for us, that we have forgotten how big that gift is, that we have forgotten that he has cleansed us, not so that we can live the same life we were, but to transform our hearts. We're not going to be willfully blind and closing our eyes, but we're going to say, God, move me towards your heart. Move me towards what you've got. Move me towards where you're moving. It's like Moses who said, if your presence isn't going, I'm not going. And that, man, that just grabbed my heart this week. Because to be honest, I think I live sometimes just going through the motions of being a Christian. I go to church, I worship, I come to work and I'm here. But let us not forget that we have been cleansed and that we're going to receive a rich welcome in the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to close with just a short, short song. Uh, we've already sang it, but just a portion of that if the worship team had come up. But when we sing this, I want us to just think, I don't, actually, I don't, if you want to sit, that's great. You want to stand. But hallelujah. We're going to sing that living hope that he is alive and good in our lives. And let this, let's just sing this as a reminder of where he's brought us. Let's just sing this as, as a commitment to letting our faith grow. We don't achieve these things. We don't just say, okay, I've got goodness. He says in increasing measure, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. So this morning, let's take our faith and let it grow. If you need to begin with repentance, let's repent but then let's let our faith do something. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thanks. You're good. I pray that this song would just be a proclamation of our hearts and that as we go, Lord, that you would just help us to be transformed into your goodness and into your likeness. Amen. All right, let's sing this together. Amen. We're going to start at Then Came the Morning. That sealed the promise His buried body Began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave Has no claim on me Then came the morning Then came the
obtain their salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope, God, you are my All God's people said, amen. amen. All right, let's take that with us this morning. You can, uh, we do have the fellowship hall. If you want to go hang out, we don't have treats up there, but take some coffee, hang out or fellowship, however you like, but have a great week. Blessings.